Caleb Pluger had an x-ray, or he had, a, he had a surgery, a foot surgery, and I can't really explain what exactly that they did, but he had, uh, he, this is an, actually an x-ray of his foot. Uh, it looks like it must be his right foot. And you can, if you look closely, you can see that there's, there's something in there, and it's, it sounds like a very painful thing. I was talking to Kathy about it. It's not something that you want to experience. But why could they, why could, what is this called? It's called an x-ray, right? And what is the purpose of an x-ray? The purpose of an x-ray is to be able to see stuff like that. Because the next slide, if you look, you see your hands. Everybody could go like this and say, I see my hands. Yep, I'm proud of, I'm lucky I have hands. But you don't know what it looks like underneath your skin, right? I mean, you can feel maybe there's a bone and there's a knuckle and this is kind of what it feels like, but you have no idea until you start cutting into it. And that's not a fun way to figure out what you look like on the inside. Uh, the guy who actually came up with the x-rays did it by accident in about 1895. I don't know the whole process of it. It's way too scientific for me to understand and to try to explain. But he was able to use it to uh, notice uh, a kid had swallowed a penny. And it got lodged in his throat or in his stomach. And he could look, x-ray the body and see that, yes, this was actually really there because he could see what's on the inside. Our next picture, you have a picture, you ever, you ever wonder what it looks like with someone walking their dog down the streets? What are those bones doing? There you go. You got the x-ray of the dog and all the muscles. You got the collar. You got this big empty space because that's where the skin and muscle are. And so that's what you get. So x-rays are really a really cool thing. I mean, getting pictures like that, uh, it's just it's unbelievable. It's not something that I would ever be able to see in my lifetime if, if somebody did not come up with that. And, and they, they do a lot of things. The dentists use them. You know, to see if you have cavities. The doctors use them. If you have a broken bone. Um, I was doing a little research and saw what cancer looks like. I mean, how would you know what the inside looks like unless you could have an x-ray? It's really cool. There's... Um, I... I found out that you even took x-rays to determine if you had pneumonia. Yeah, Tegan says, yep, that's me right there. And I had no idea that you could even use that for it, but it's a really great thing to have an x-ray. But anybody here, uh, you know, let me, let me stop with that line of thought. Um, you know, we, we're glad to have x-rays because it helps us to see our medical condition, but are you glad that not everybody can see what's on the inside of you? Because an x-ray will show you your broken bones, it will show you your cancer, it will show you the problems inside, but it's not going to show you what's going on in your mind. It's not going to say, this is your motive, Josh, for doing this, it's going to show up in an x-ray. Your attitude for doing this is not going to show up in an x-ray. The fact of whether I am saved or not is not going to show up in an x-ray. Anybody glad? Because you know what, I can stand up here and I can be happy and, and I can say, boy, Steve, I'm really glad to see you and think, you're, you're, I don't like you and I wish you weren't here in my mind. But, it, but you can't tell that looking at my face, which, Steve, I really am glad you're here. No, I really am. But it's like I, I can treat people that I don't like. You eat, you eat at somebody's house and there's yucky food. And if you got, you can just hide that. You know, some people are really good at hiding that or your opinion about people or situations because you cannot see what is on the inside. So... But x-rays weren't designed to do that. They're just designed to show you what is physically wrong. But as much as we tried to hide our feelings from each other about what do I think about you, what do I think about this topic, what do I think about what you said, uh, what it, whether I'm saved or not, I can convince people of that. But the one person I cannot convince is God. 
God sees what's on the inside. We spend so much time trying to prove to people that we are a certain way, that we agree with them, that we are on their side, but we're not fooling God. God sees what's on the inside. And that's going to be what we're talking about today. Jesus, in chapter 11 of Luke, is talking to the Pharisees. And he's going to tell them, kind of bluntly to their face, you guys look good on the outside. By all outward appearance, you look like you have it all together. But on the inside, you are completely opposite. There was every, you're full of wickedness, you're full of greed, you're full of sin. No one else may be able to see that, but I can see that. And I'm going to let you know. And there, we're going to be looking at six woes that, that Jesus is going to say, woe to you guys because you're like this. Woe to you because you're like, like that. And hopefully you do not see yourself in one of those woes. And if you do, it's not the end of the world. You can make it right. But sometimes you've got to get the pain in order to realize, oops, that's what I really am like in order to fix it. Again, let's pray and ask God's blessing on this time. God, I do thank you for your word. God, I even thank you for the fact that x-rays were invented. I know that they have done a lot of good for a lot of people to, to expose what's on the inside with our bones and with, our, with cancer and with different physical issues. God, I pray that you'd help us to remember, God, that even though we don't have x-rays to show us our motives or attitudes, God, or, or whether we're really saved or not, we can't look at each other and see that. But to remember, God, that you always see what is on the inside. And that's what really matters. What's on the inside does come out, God, but we, we're not going to fool you by anything that we do or say. I pray that we would be genuine in our faith, we would be genuine in our thoughts and our actions. And I pray, God, that we would see the truth of your word in the next uh, few minutes as I try to share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Jesus is going to have some really in-your-face conversation with the Pharisees. It's not something that these guys are going to appreciate or want to hear, but it's something they need to hear. And so what leads up to this is uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to, to, uh, to 41. I'll follow along there. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to be with him. Now even right there, Pharisees and Jesus don't get along. They're on two opposite sides of the coin. And the only reason this Pharisee is inviting Jesus over is what? To look good. He, he's, a, he's a religious person. He wants everybody to think, wow, I'm having this religious teacher over. I'm looking good. And Jesus knows that. It's, it's, he invited him to eat with him. So Jesus went and he re- reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who make the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to power, and everything will be clean for you. Now, how many people here wash your hands before you eat? How many people were taught to do that, right? We've all been taught to wash our hands before we eat. How many of you have passed this along to your kids? I have. How many of you parents say, I've got to check my kids' hands to make sure they wash their hands before they eat? You know, a lot of us have gone through that. Now, when we eat, you know, you don't really have to wash your hands. I've seen some really dirty hands with a clean fork and a clean spoon. And we eat with utensils, so it's not really that big a deal whether or not your hands are clean. The Pharisees, they did not have forks and spoons. They had to use their hands in order to eat. And so if your hands were dirty, it really was kind of gross because what you, was on your hands is kind of what went in your mouth. Now, the, the, the Pharisees who's, who invites Jesus and watches the fact that Jesus didn't wash his hands, uh, he wasn't uh, a, high, a hygiene freak. He wasn't, doing, wasn't 
in awe that Jesus didn't do this because he was worried about Jesus being healthy. I think he would have been just as happy if Jesus had dirty hands and he ate something that made him sick and then he died because he did not like Jesus. But the fact, the, the reason why this guy was so particular in watching Jesus was because they had a bunch of these man-made rules in order uh, that they had to follow. And these guys were good at making these rules and they got more and more elaborate, more and more uh, hard to follow. This, this washing hands thing was something that had even a very special way. Most of us, we just stick our hands in soap and we just wash our hands. You know, we sing happy birthday as long as you're washing your hands and you dry them. And it gets the job done. Uh, back then, you'd have to use a certain amount of water. You guys know what the size of an egg is. And you'd have to use at least an egg and a half worth of water. But you couldn't just use any water. You had to use like this holy water. They'd have these uh, basins or these big jars full of specific water that you had to wash your hands with. And you'd have to, you'd have to, you couldn't just put it on your hands and wash. You would have to, if I get, if I remember this right, is you'd have to pour from the top of your fingertips down, and then you wash your hands kind of like a fist, and then you'd have to take that, take that, and you'd have to pour it down your hands to your fingertips, you know, and then that would make your hands clean. But if you didn't follow the exact way to do it, it was a sin. Shame on you, you're going to hell if you did not wash your hands correctly. That's pretty ridiculous because there's nothing in the Bible that even says you have to do that and you have to follow that elaborate ways. But that's kind of what led up to this. They had these man-made rules and the whole, the whole, if you say, you know what, Josh, I'm not in the mood to listen today. Let me tell you the whole message in a nutshell. These guys were interested in looking good on the, on the outside, but on the inside, they were completely different. They were interested in looking the part. Like to the outworld eyes, everybody would say, man, Josh is a good guy. Man, these Pharisees are following all these rules. They're, they're dressing the part. They look like it, but on the inside, it meant absolutely nothing. So that would be like me coming to church, and I'm, saying, I'm singing songs, and the whole, I'm, I'm preaching, but then I go home, I shut the door, and I'm completely different. That's called being a hypocrite. And that's exactly what these Pharisees were doing. They wanted to say, hey, this is what you guys need to do, but this is not what I'm going to do. So that's the gist of the message, is making sure that our inside matches the outside. But you've got to make sure your inside is correct, because that's what's naturally going to come out of you. So Jesus has a list of six woes that he tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and it's in your face, and it is not very pleasant. Uh, verse 42, he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So I say, woe to you who are legalistic. When it's woe, it's like it could be, like it's a sad thing. It could be grief. It could be pathetic. But it could be that finger shaking. Because this is Jesus here, and he's talking to the Pharisees. He's not meant, he's mixing words. He wants to make sure he under, they understand that, woe to you guys. You're not supposed to be like this. It could be shame on you because you're being legalistic. Now, the, these, these Pharisees, they were going above and beyond. You know, uh, I was reading through a, a commentary, and this, this guy was saying that this would be the kind of guy that you would want to come to your church because he would give a tenth of everything that he made. That's what a tithe was, was a tenth of whatever income I made uh, each paycheck or each month. That's what I was going to give to the synagogue. That's what I was going to give to the church. It sounds great. This guy went above and beyond because he says, I'm going to give my 
a tenth of all these spices, all these things that it's not even required for me to give. I'm going to give these things. Could you imagine like dill and, and all these little spices like, okay, I'm giving a tenth of this. How long would that take? You know, I'm, I'm keeping 90%. I got, I got to count like a thousand little seeds and give a hundred of them to give to the synagogue. Then we go into the synagogue. I got these bags full of all this extra stuff. Who looks like an amazing person? I just spent hours doing this. I'm bringing more than I have to. And that was, it was above and beyond. But they were giving their part, or giving 10%. But the thing that they weren't doing, where they, was, they were rejecting the love of God and showing mercy to other people. So in a sense, they're really doing nothing. God's not interested in your 10th like he needs it. I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, it does definitely bless the church. It, it pays my salary. It helps keep the lights going. It helps keep the, the floors clean. It helps the missionaries. And it's something that God has asked us to do. But these guys were doing, they're being legalistic. Like, I have to do this in order to be saved or to keep my salvation. And when they were doing this thing, they were like putting man-made rules on other people saying, you have to do this. And if you're not, I'm going to judge you because you're not keeping up with the standards of what I made. These are disputable things. These are man-made rules that I'm trying to force onto other people. What they did wasn't bad, but they were neglecting the things that they should have done. So they were really doing nothing. You know, we could be just like the Pharisees. We can do good things. We can give a tithe to church. We can give above and beyond. We can go to Bible study. We can be generous. Uh, the Awana uh, store uh, is coming up. And I, I think that was probably mentioned during the announcements. I was actually back talking with uh, Scott <laughs> about the PowerPoint, so I didn't hear that. But it, we can give things to church. We can give things to the Awana store. Uh, we can do all these things inside this church building for this church building. But if we walk out these doors and we neglect the, the better things to love those people who need loving, to, to care for those people who need caring, to, to be willing to help those people, if we're, we say we're going to do whatever the church requires, but we're going to go out there and do nothing else, that doesn't account for anything. Jesus told them, you guys got to, it's important to give the tithe, but you got to make sure that when you get out there, you're also showing to love to those people who need it. So are you willing to, to take time out of your schedule to stop and help somebody? Are you willing to take and give a financial gift to somebody who's struggling, even something that's not tax deductible and something that nobody is going to know about it? Woe to you if you make sure that you just follow the rules inside this building, but you don't go out there and show God's love to the people in that neighborhood. There's, in, in your workplace, in, in the community, all these people who don't know Jesus, woe to us, shame on us, if we just say, hey, I'm going to follow the rules here, but when I'm out there, I'm not going to do that. Now, I'm going to throw out something for each of these that doesn't show up in Scripture right here. I want to say the opposite. Woe is not good, but blessings are. So joy, happiness, it's good if in 2 Corinthians 9.7, or 9.7, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. If you're happily giving your money, if you're happy to help people, if you're happy, happily loving people, God loves a cheerful giver. And James it talks about looking after the orphans and the widows. That's something that happened not just inside a church, that was something that happened outside of church. That happened at like 9 o'clock at night when I'm sitting down to eat dinner with my friends, you know, or my, I'm, I'm getting, giving up what I want in order to help somebody at the time that they need it. And those people are not going to be able to repay you. An orphan does not make money. 
A widow could not go out and get a job. Whatever you got, you got from other people. So blessings to you if you're willing to take the love of God and let it impact your own life, then take it to give to other people. So woe if you're legalistic, but blessings if you're willing to uh, show God's love while you're out there. The second thing, I, I call it woe to you who are full of pride. Verse 43 says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. These guys love the best seat of the house. If we go to Matthew chapter 25, or 23, verses 5 through 7, it kind of helps put a little different perspective on this. This is about the Pharisees. It says, Everything they do is done for men to see. I'm going to look good, and you all are going to see it. They make the, their flactories wide and their tassels long in their garments, so it's something very obvious. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues, which anybody could have it if you want it. The most important seat, you could lay down and take a nap if you wanted to in the most important seat. They love the marketplace and have men call them rabbi. Now, I've, I've told people, call me Josh, but it's not because I'm... I'm uh, because, like, if I was full of pride, I'd be like, hey, call me pastor. My dad's a reverend, you know, and I know that there are, like, Pastor Joe is a reverend, but he doesn't walk around saying, hey, call me Reverend Joe. You guys want to surprise him? You should try that. Reverend Joe, because that's the title that he has. But he's like, call me Pastor Joe. Call me Joe. Call me Josh. But these guys are like, no, I am a, fair, uh, a teacher of the law, and you're going to show me respect. I demand that you treat me that way. They wanted the best seats of the house. And what it was, and it's not because we're, we're I mean, it's, it's okay to like the, the center of attention. I've known people who like the center of attention, but it's not because I'm the class clown or because I'm demanding it, because some people will do that. But we can be uh, the center of attention by trying to make sure that everybody knows what we've done. We do something good. We, we know ways to work this into a conversation so that everybody finds out that, that I have done this. Uh, and I, I have to admit here, uh, I struggle with that. I told Kathy on the phone that when, when I was picking out the hymns that I was going to tell her that I struggle with a woe myself. And this is one because I want you guys all to know how good a guy I am. You know, partly why is because I get paid to do this. I don't want you thinking I'm at home sitting on my rumpus all day or sitting in my office doing something all day. I, I keep track of things just in case I have to say, no, I really am doing things. But when I do something, I want people to know that I've done something. And so I know how to work those things in to make sure that you know that really I am doing something, that I'm a good guy. Proverbs uh, chapter 27, verse 2 slaps me across the face because it says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Oops. Uh, someone else and not your own lips. And so i got to keep my mouth shut. And say, boy, I hope people know, but I'm not going to work it into a conversation so that they know. But woe to me if I do things just so I make sure that people know. And I've known people throughout my life where, where they have done things, and I, I would be more than happy to let people know about it, but they beat me to the punch. They, they worked, I had a, a best friend, uh, his, I'm not going to even say his name, it's too close to mine. It wasn't me, his name was, it was actually Josh, but he was... He was always telling me what he did. Oh, and I, I kept, I just wasn't gutsy enough to say, you've got to read Proverbs 27 too. Because, but it's like, I've known people where they do great things. And it says, let someone else praise you. Someone else and not your own lips. And it's like, 
I am in a position, I would love to tell everybody how great you are, but you did it yourself. And that's, that's obviously not the way to do it, but these Pharisees were saying, I'm going to let everybody know how great I am. Uh, even, you can read in one of the Gospels where they would, they would give offerings to church, and they would, there was this little widow that gave two little pennies that were worth like nothing. But you'd have these, Fer- these Pharisees or these really religious people would have trumpets blowing, all sorts of noise, and you hear clank, 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 all this money going into this because they wanted everybody to know how great they were. Woe to you and me if I'm like that, if I just do things so that people think, how good is Josh? But blessings to you if you do what Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12 say. It's the, almost the exact opposite. Verses 11 and 12. It says, the greatest among you be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If I will humble myself, if I will do these things, not so that man says, wow, look how great he is, God will exalt me. He will reward me. God will bless me, even if you guys don't ever know it. Even if the rest of my career here, people think Josh does absolutely nothing, it's okay because God knows that I am doing something. Woe to you if you are full of pride, but blessings to you if you're willing to serve, if you're willing to do things for, for God's sake. Uh, verse 44, woe to, you, to those whose only goal is to look outwardly perfect. It's good to look good, but uh, that's not your only goal in life. So verse 44, woe to you because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. Now, if we walked across the cemetery, I mean, I've, I've been a kid riding around on a bike or running through a cemetery, uh, and you walk across people's graves. I mean, obviously, I've grown up out of that and more respectful, but as a little kid, they just, they just go running, and wow, I don't even understand what kind of holy or sacred ground this is. Back then, if you came in contact with a dead person, that was like a terrible thing to come in contact. And they even started adding more rules. These Pharisees did that even if your shadow like, okay, uh, my shadow, I'm walking by and it touches a grave. I'm unclean. What does my shadow have to do with me? Absolutely nothing. But they kept making all these rules that people had to follow. But they wanted to look good because they said, we're not going to do that. If you do that, uh, then you're unclean. And if, if, if those people would have known how wicked the Pharisees were and the teachers of the law were, uh, the religious people, they would have steered clear away from them. But they had no idea because they were whitewashed tombs. They, wa- they washed the outside of the cup. They look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of wickedness and dead man's bones. And it was evil on the inside. And woe to us if we are like that. If the whole world will look and say, man, Josh is such a good guy. Josh just, he looks good, but on the inside, they can't see that. The x-ray doesn't show you that. It doesn't show you my motives. It shows you my broken bone. It shows you my cancer. It shows you those kinds of things, but it does not show the amount of wickedness that is inside. And if I say, if I do everything that impresses you guys, impresses the world out there, but it doesn't match with what's on the inside, then woe to me. Because God sees straight through that. God is not impressed that I'm impressing other people. It's what matters to him and what matters on the inside. Uh, Leslie's birthday was on... Friday, and this is kind of what it's like, how obvious this is to God. Um, when we first got married, I made her a cake. Uh, she, she went, I think it's like the only time I made her a cake. Uh, anyway, but she went to school, and so I, I got up, uh, because I was working night shift, and she was work, 
going to school during the day. So I got up and I made a cake. And I, I did everything I needed to do. I got the cake made. I got it frosting. I got the windows open. I got candles to blow to get rid of the smell. And she came in and I almost, I almost uh, succeeded. And then she goes, what's on your face? <laughs> I had frosting on my face. Because, because I, di- I, didn't, I didn't do a good enough job. And she could see right through me that I had done something. She didn't know for sure if it was a cake, but she knew I had done something. And, it, and that's just a simple little example that says she could tell. And guess what? God can see. Nothing is hiding from him. It is completely obvious to him. Woe to us if we're trying to conv- uh, fool everybody else, but we're not taking into account what God sees. Verse 46 Woe to those who are hypocritical, who do not practice what they preach. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. These guys, like I said, they made rules and regulations, washing your hands and the shadows on the, that would make you unclean if you even walked by and, and your shadow touched the, uh, the tombstone. I mean, how can you... Keep all that in your head, right? How can you carry enough books that's going to hold all these rules? But these guys keep saying more and more and more, but they didn't practice that stuff. They didn't try to help people to do that. They just sat there and kept coming up with rules and rules that you had to follow. Woe to them. Shame on them for telling people what to do, but they didn't help them, and they didn't do it themselves. Don't you agree? Shame on you. We don't like that. Uh, you know, it, it, and it happens in every area of life. It can happen with coaches and kids, where the coach says, don't do X, Y, Z, and all of a sudden, all the kids find out the coach did this. It kind of ruins a testimony. It can happen with parents and with kids. It can happen with a pastor and with people in the pew. It can happen with a, a boss and employee. We don't like this. We don't like people to say, you should do this, but then I turn around and I do something completely different. But that's what these guys were doing. Woe to you, shame on you, shame on me if I'm telling you to do something, uh, biblically speaking, but I don't do it myself. And that's really hard to get up here and say that, because guess who's, who's under major scrutiny here, right? Who's the guy who's going to get blasted if he doesn't do this? It's me, and I've got to be extra careful on my toes. At the, uh, the men's uh, uh, Bible study on Wednesday mornings a couple weeks ago, we, they were talking about what is your biggest conviction? And my biggest conviction is that I better practice what I preach. I better do it. And I've, I've even amped it up and tried even harder since being here because I've, I've been in the shoes where it's like, I've, I've been a Sunday school teacher who says, hey, you guys should do this, or the youth group pastor that says, hey, you guys should do this, but I don't necessarily follow it as much as I should. Shame on me. I mean, I've, I've had to amp it up. Uh, especially here with adults who are like, we're not, you're not pulling the wool over our eyes. We are going to see straight through you if you do not do this. Um, and, and Romans chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, it was talking about this same kind of thing about these religious leaders who were saying something, but they were not doing it themselves. It says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? 
Verse 24 says, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because you are saying one thing, but you are doing something else. The world looks out there and says, why would I need to be a Christian? You guys look like me. You say the same kinds of words. You do the same kinds of activities. You dress the same way. You participate. You, you say these things are important that God obviously wouldn't agree with. You, there's no reason. And they say, why do I need Jesus? I look at you and me and say, there's not much difference here. Why do I need Jesus? And woe to us if we are like that. Uh, one time this was really pointed in my face. Uh, we went at our second apartment. Uh, we were having a little bit of issues with our landlords, or the, the caretakers, not the landlord. He's a great guy. Uh, but we were out doing something on the hillside, a, a property, and they came over, and they were always like, they were just, they were, they were good if you wanted to keep people out of trouble. I mean, make sure their property was taken care of. They did a good job, but they came over one time, and they snipped at me, and I snipped right back. And then I was like, uh-oh. I was wearing a shirt that said, me mail. And there was, a, uh, there was this little stick figure that was praying. Because it was like when email came out and people being creative, it said an email. And then I had to go, I had to go back and I had to talk to him and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. Because I looked at my shirt and I realized my testimony, I just ruined my testimony. Because we were trying to live a godly testimony. We were trying to work in the gospel to a conversation. And then I just like totally threw it out the window by the shirt that I was wearing and by my attitude. I had to go and tell them, because you're not going to be perfect. I don't expect you to walk out these doors and be perfect in everything that I think and everything that I say and every response that I have because some responses are knee-jerk reactions. It doesn't make them right, but that's the way it is sometimes. But we got to look different. Woe to us if we look just like the world, if we do not practice what we preach, but blessings to us if you practice what you preach. You teach it in Sunday school. You tell your kids, I get up here and I say, this is what you got to do. If I do it too... Blessings on me. Uh, verse 47 to 51, I'll try to speed this up a little bit. It says, Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets, and you built their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. So you had uh, these, these, uh, the Pharisees of today we're trying to build the temples for the, the prophets that their ancestors killed. They're trying to look good. They're trying to convince people and, and make, I think, win the crowds over by, look what we're doing, man. We're, we're building temple or uh, tombstones for the prophets that were killed long ago, and that's going to pull the wool over my eyes. I'm like, wow, that's a good thing to do. I mean, these guys were religious people that died. They were ministers for the Lord. But Jesus saw right through that. He said, you guys are just trying to look good in people's eyes. That's not okay. When you guys are actually building these tombs, uh, you're actually saying, I agree with what they did. They killed them, but I'm putting them in the ground. And Jesus says, you guys are agreeing with them. You might be fooling everybody else. You're not fooling me. and You're definitely not fooling God. And if we do things just to look good on other, in the eyes of other people, we are uh, woe to us. Uh, I was given an example this week, just happened to, uh, this, this Camp Kokolala that we, we used to go to. They had this work project. And it, it has to do with Facebook. I, I can't stand Facebook. I call it Bragbook because I, that's what I, and I'm, I don't have it, so I'm not looking at your sites thinking, boy, you know, Jennifer's bragging. I have no idea. I mean, I have, maybe she is, maybe she's not. I don't look and say, hey, Steve, 
you know, shame on you. Hey, Kurt, you know, hey, Annika, because I have zero clue. So if it's, if it's you, it just happens to be you. But anyway, this camp was, had this project of, of trying to redo the, the, the dining hall. And what I saw was somebody wrote, boy, I can't come and help, but I'll make sure I send my check in the mail in a couple of weeks. And why do you think they did that? Because you can send money anonymously. You can send money, I mean, they, they had a visa account thing you could do. You can send a check in the mail, but you get on Facebook and tell the whole world. And I think that's why, knowing this person, I think that's why they did it. And I, I can't judge that. I'm not, that. That's not my job. But it's like, if we're doing things just so that we look good in other people's eyes, shame on us. Woe to us. You've already received your reward. People can say, wow, Josh, yeah, it was great that you did that. But that's temporary. That's minute. That's just people-wise. You wanted to count for something? You do it in secret, and God will reward you. And that reward and that kudos and that praise is going to be worth far more than anything that we could do here on earth. Next one. Uh, or kind of, kind of along the lines is, woe to you. I call it, woe to you who approve of something that is wrong. Because that's what these guys did. These, these guys who were uh, building these tombs for, for the prophets, they were approving of something that was not okay in the past. Obviously, killing these prophets in the past was not something that was okay, but they were approving it. They were saying, it was okay to do that, and we're supporting you by building this temple. If there's something in your past that you have been taught was okay, uh, I would, I mean... I, would, I think it would be good to just question everything that you have been taught in your past and see if it's okay. If you find out that it was not okay to do that, even though your parents did it and they said it was okay, we better stop, right? We can't just say, well, my parents did it. They said it was okay, so it's okay. We better compare what we're doing with what Scripture says. Woe to us if we just stay on the same bandwagon and keep saying, nope, it's okay because that's the way it's always been because that's not the way it is. But blessings to you if you're willing to say, okay, this was wrong, and now I'm going to do what's right, even if it's what's the opposite. Verse 52, woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered others uh, who were, were trying to enter. So woe to these guys, because they, they had the key to the knowledge of salvation. They had the Old Testament. They had the purpose of it, and they, they just rejected it. They, were like, they, they would be the kind of people who would say, you know what, you guys can't understand this. You have to be trained. You have to go to Bible school, and you have to go to seminary in order to understand the Scripture. So good luck. If you want something, you better get it from me, because you guys are not capable of doing this on your own. And you know what the truth is? The truth is there are certain things you do learn at Bible school that you don't learn from church. There are certain things that you learn how to study what the Bible says. But God didn't give this to just genius people who, who went to school. He says, I gave this for the common person with, with a fifth grade reading level. You know, that you don't have to be gone to years and years of Bible school. Study to show yourself approved. He made the gospel so simple that you're putting your trust and your salvation in Jesus. He's not saying you have to understand and memorize it all. But there were people who were doing that. They were trying to say, you know, I'm so special. And woe to us if we act that way, if we do something that hinders other people from hearing the message. Now, I don't think anybody in here is sitting here thinking, I'm going to go out there and try to convince people that this message isn't true. I can't imagine why anybody would do that, would sit in a church and then walk out the door and try to do that. 
but we can try to hinder people or we can accidentally hinder people from coming to the gospel by the way we live our lives, by the words that we use with our mouth. If I'm cursing, if I'm taking God's name in vain, if, I'm, if I have foul language, if I'm gossiping about other people, that's going to be a hindrance to other people wanting to know the Lord because they're thinking, because they have an expectation of you. They say, you're a Christian. They already know what you should and shouldn't be doing. And if you look just like them, they're going to say, why do I need Jesus? By the things that you don't say, you can be a hindrance to the gospel. If you, if you don't tell the truth. Uh, by your attitude. Now think about how do you handle stressful situations? Or how do you handle bad news in your life? If I don't handle that correctly, people are going to think, what do you need? What's this Jesus thing for? I can hinder other people from, from having the peace that passes understanding. Uh, that, the understanding that, you know what? Luke went to be with the Lord, but guess what? I have hope I'm going to see him again. I have hope I'm going to meet the kid, right? Because he's up in heaven, and I'm going to go and meet them. We can hinder other people by our lifestyles. If we're in this world and we look just like them, it can be a hindrance. Why do I need Jesus? Woe to you if your life is just like the world. If your belief systems, if your attitudes, if the words, if your actions are just like you, are just like the world, woe to you. Shame on you. Shame on me. My life should be different. I am a new creation. I'm supposed to be different. The world is not going to agree with this. They are not going to like this. My goal is to follow it anyway. So if you look and say, you know what, that's me. I haven't exactly looked different from the world. Woe to you, but it doesn't stop there. Because you can make it right. Even if you aren't perfect, you can make it your goal to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So let me ask you, you've just heard six woes. I've already admitted that I've struggled with a couple of these. I don't know if you say, hey, that's me, or if that's not me. But if, if God were to take a big x-ray, put it on the screen, and to show you, or to show us what is up there, what would he say? Would he say, you know what, I know it's tough, Jody, but good job, because you're, you're, doing, you're practicing what you're preaching, and you're living out what you say. Or is he going to say, Noah, woe to you, because of X, Y, and Z. Because he didn't, he did that. He was as blunt as you can be to the Pharisees, pointing these things out and say, this is what you're like. And if you say, this is what I was like, you know what? The day isn't over. Tomorrow's a new day. And I'm almost guaranteeing you everybody's going to have tomorrow. I, I can't guarantee it, but almost, I, if days just keep coming, I think they're going to keep going. But you can stop and say, okay, I don't want any more woes. I want the blessings. I can look and see what I was doing wrong and I can stop that, and I can start doing what is right. You, you've seen the x-ray. You, you know what's on the inside. You can look and say, this is where I match up. This is where I don't match up. But this isn't terminal. You've you still got another day. you still got another life. And I implore you, I beg you to, to, to stop the woes, and, and minor, minor on the woes and major on the blessings, because that's what God wants to give you. You look and see, this is something you can only really diagnose in yourself because you're the only one who knows the inside. Fix it, okay? You got the woes, fix it, and make sure that you're going for the blessing that God wants to give you. Let's pray. Dear God, you know you look at us, we're just a bunch of broken and imperfect people. God, I know you're not expecting us to per be, per be perfect, even though that would be nice and that would be your goal is for us to be perfect as you are perfect god i just pray for each one of us including myself god i know that i struggle and i know that my life doesn't always match up 
uh, to your words the way it should. I just pray that, God, if anybody in here is really serious about wanting to, to change, to say, hey, I'm tired of those woes, I want those blessings, I just pray that you would bless them and you would help them to do that. Help us, to, God, to be sit and be honest with ourselves to say, where am I really at? What would I be like if I was sitting in amongst those Pharisees? Would I be putting my head down because I was embarrassed, or could I hold my head up high because that wasn't me? I just pray for your, your help to be honest with ourselves and to make life-changing decisions even from this point on. In Jesus' name.